to the Frontier Podcast. You guys have taken a, a brief hiatus, but we are back with season two. Um, and season two is going to be a little bit different than season one. We've got almost 200 episodes, which is crazy, of the Frontier Podcast live out in the world. And in those episodes, we interviewed folks in the technology industry at large, so CTOs, VPs of engineering, and we learned about their experiences leading engineering teams. So if that's what you're looking for, definitely go back, listen to those episodes. There's tons of cool, cool nuggets of wisdom in there. But this season is going to be a little bit different. So we're going to pull back the curtain on our business. So Gun.io is a global talent agency focused on software developers. Um, and so this season, we'll share how we run that business. Um you know, we're serving some of the world's most discerning software developers and technology-enabled companies. And we want to share with you kind of our our experience doing that over the last 10 years, the troubles that we've run into, the challenges, the things that we've tried, and how we're moving forward this year, kind of in a new season of the business, which we'll talk about soon as well. I'm joined by Tasia, obviously. Tasia, welcome. Tasia's my co-host this season. What are you excited about this season? Thanks, Faith. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to um, give our teammates some shine. The people who are you know building the business every day. Um, you know, we get to talk to folks on on the sales team, on the engineering team, on the ops team. It'll be cool because I think um, a lot of like tech media um, is focused on the sort of myth of the founders and the executive team and about like high flying financial rounds. And that's the shit that gets good press, but it's like not actually the thing that builds businesses. It's like your team, you know, the people every day showing up, leading their teams and people actually serving customers. So I'm stoked to give them some shine and give some insight into how the business actually operates. Yeah, for sure. And I think like when I think about our North Star for this podcast, it's like the opposite of a Twitter thread, you know, like so often when I'm looking for answers or advice or insight into how other folks have thought about certain problems that we have too, the only thing available are like these Twitter threads that you know, are just completely unhelpful. Um, and obviously are telling that story for a reason. And so I'm hoping that the stories that we share this season will be a little bit more, um, I don't know, a little bit more genuine and helpful to folks. Specifically, you know, if you're listening and you're you're a leader at a, a company that's oriented towards growth, um, small to medium size, you're thinking about similar problems as us, I think we'll have some really helpful um, insight for you, at least sharing, you know, what we've tried and what we've learned. Um, and definitely excited to talk to the team as well. Tasia mentioned, you know, we've got all kinds of folks here behind the scenes running the show. And I think I'm not alone in my curiosity around what other people do, uh, especially those who like might share a title or a purpose with me. So I'm really excited to interview those teammates, get a sense of what it is they think about every day, what success looks like for them, um, and how maybe others in the industry can learn from them as well. I guess to introduce ourselves, Tasia, do you want to go first? What is it that you do here? Sure. Um, so I'm Tasia Anamandra. Uh, I'm CEO and co-founder of Gun.io. You know, I would say um, my job primarily consists of uh, three things. One, 
is making sure that um, the folks that we serve, developers and companies, are um, satisfied with you know uh, what we provide, are happy, and like we're actually providing value. The second thing I think that I do uh, is make sure to uh, like attract and retain uh, really good people. Um, so recruiting, I think that's my second job, and I think my third job is probably around making sure that that organization is financed to the extent that we can accomplish our mission, which involves, you know, doing the first thing and then doing the second thing. Uh, so it's all about, you know, making sure that, you know, if we have a strategy, we have the capital go execute it. If we want to bring somebody on or if we have people on, they feel happy and well compensated. So those are the primary things that I, that I do every day. What do you do when you're not on the clock here? I know you're on the clock always, but... No, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's healthy. I mean, I certainly think about work a lot, but I'm definitely not on the clock always. I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I, pr- I proudly will say that I'm not on the clock always. Uh, so when I'm not on the clock, I love training uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, I've grown up training martial arts, so I love doing that. Uh, recently got into like hiking and um, sort of like more outdoor stuff, like hiking, mountain biking, uh, road biking. I didn't know you were mountain biking. I'm, yeah, like I'm, cool. I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. You know, I can talk to you more offline about it, but it's it's sweet. Like, um, yeah, it's more outdoor stuff. Yeah. It's like jujitsu you kind of do in like a dark gym. It's not like super well lit. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not getting any vitamin D in there. No, yeah, totally. But it's fun, you know, but sometimes you just want to like go and like be, be by yourself. And so, yeah, I've been getting into that. And um, when I'm not doing either of those things, I'm a, I'm like a voracious reader. I read a ton. I love reading, uh, not just nonfiction, but fiction. I read a ton of fiction. And so um, I'd say those are my primary hobbies. You know, um, they seem I'm, very well-rounded and healthy. Well, you know, a life well-lived means that you get joy from a lot of activities, not just one. So that's, that's right. You know, I'm going to put that in the actual quote book. Those <laughs> <Tasia> quotes. <laughs> You know, obviously, I'm the the other host. I'm Faith. Um, I've been working here with Tasia for four years now, actually, mm-hmm. this month, which is crazy. Yep. And I spend my days thinking about growth marketing. And so how are we showing up out in the world? How is that perceived by not just our target audience, but kind of the technology industry at large? Um And how are we serving that audience? So just making sure that kind of everything that's that's forward facing uh, that we're saying we're actually following up on and making good on once people join the platform. So obviously that includes this podcast as well, which I'm super excited about. Uh, And when I'm not here in the home office, um, I am I'm, I'm an urban farmer, so I plant lots of stuff that fails and I never get to eat. I take care of chickens in the backyard. Um, and I teach cycling classes. So kind of similar to Tasia, spending a lot of time outside, trying to get some movement in when I can, keeping my very lazy dog happy. So that's yeah. And you're like, you also teach cycling. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fun. It's a great stress reliever. It's like a very different headspace. Um, but I'm learning that all of the all of the like alternate kind of like passions and activities that we do end up feeding each other, right? Like I'm a better, 
I'm a better professional here because of the the things that I do and think about when I'm teaching a cycling class and vice versa. Um, so it's always when we are doing an interview process with new employees, we always make a point to ask, like, talk to us about your whole person. Like, what is it that makes you kind of tick? Because I think that tells us a lot about, you know, what they'll, what kind of value they'll add to the team. Yeah, um, totally. I, I find that to be the case with jujitsu, like a lot because you're in, you're in really uncomfortable situations. Like, you know, I weigh like a hundred and I don't know, 50 pounds, 160 pounds. But, you know, if I have like a 200 pound dude sitting on my chest or like riding my sternum. <laughs> it's like and, actually uncomfortable. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and then like you're in that situation and you kind of are like, okay, fuck, I fucked up like 10 steps ago. But now I have to kind of figure out like how to get out of this while you're like in really big discomfort. And so, yeah, I feel like that this teaches you a lot about um, handling stress well and things like that. So, yeah, and I'm sure right. it's like it's very similar to to I mean, cycling is very tough mentally. It's like a very tough thing. It's very painful. And like just needing to push through that is like, yeah. you know, it takes a lot. Yeah, it's very good for your lungs, though. So if you are listening and you want a great lung activity, try cycling while yelling at the same time. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, Tasia. We, we're going to get started with our first episode, which you and I recorded a couple of days ago, where we talk about the foundations of the business, how Gun.io got founded. And I think that's going to set up this season really well so people really understand what it is we do, the different iterations of the business, kind of how we've changed and pivoted over the years and where we find ourselves today, which is like a really exciting kind of new chapter in the business and what we're looking forward to and what, what challenges we're looking to take on. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Cool. Tisha, okay. welcome cool. to the Frontier Podcast. Oh, I'm so excited. Do I, do I have to apologize for my background here? We just moved into a new house and I haven't set up anything for like the last two no, months. No, it looks great. Let me, okay. Yeah, nice and clean. It looks Spartan, which I think is what people expect out of a CEO. Tasia, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the fans a little bit about the man behind the screen. So my name is Tasia Anamandra. I'm CEO and founder of Gun.io. I started this business with a good friend of mine, Rich Jones, um, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years ago, 2013. We did not set out to uh, build a business. We set out to solve a problem, which was uh, finding devs to help us with our projects and hooking up uh, Rich's friends who were devs with projects. And so that was the humble genesis, humble beginnings of this organization. And I never thought that we'd be here uh, a decade later with a great team, an official podcast with great video and audio quality. <laughs> Shout out to Riverside.fm. We love you. You're great. <laughs> Shout out. Based in Nashville. Talk to me a little bit about that. I feel like when I tell people that I work for a technology company, you know, we're a global staffing agency. We focus on um, really, really high quality software developers um, and we get them great, great jobs, freelance and full time. And when I tell folks what we do, they're like, and you're based in Nashville? What? 
And I think we get that a lot from clients too, <laughs> who are like, you know, they're consuming, whether it's content that we produce or they're looking at our website and they just kind of assume that we're based in Silicon Valley um, or someplace maybe a little bit more traditional. So talk to me about why we landed in Nashville. Yeah, totally. Well, you're, you're yeah. a New Yorker and uh, so am I in some ways, right? And so I think we're, uh, I think we probably view Nashville in similar ways. Why are we in Nashville or how does it feel to run a company in Nashville? Um, maybe I can tackle the, like the business side of the question first. It feels pretty normal since we are a fully remote team. Um, you know, I think that's sort of been our direction, but I think the pandemic kind of accelerated that. I mean, we have an office, so technically we're a hybrid team. We have an office. Sometimes people go to it. Um, it's a chill spot, but most of us work from home. Uh, you know, we have internal teammates all across the world, Brazil, Thailand, now England, Wyoming, <laughs> Wyoming you know, is, yeah. all sorts of places. Just very, <laughs> yeah, very cool and foreign. <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, it feels normal. Like to us, it's like, I think it's like normal. You know, you show up, you talk to your colleagues on Slack, you work from home, we see each other occasionally for the happy hours you organize or things like that. Um, and I think it's great, honestly, you know, um, and especially because we run a business for right. remote work. The, you know, we sort of get yeah, how we live. That is less probably where we're headquartered in that regard. Yeah. And like to be able to work and travel and work from whatever city is like pretty sick. So I, I think quality of life here in Nashville is pretty good, despite the, I don't know, real estate <laughs> stuff. The affordability still seems yeah. pretty good. And it yeah, it feels normal to run a software and company when, here. Correct me uh, if I'm wrong, but I think I remember you saying that when we launched, we went through there's a local Nashville accelerator the Nashville Entrepreneur Center plays a role in our origin story as well. Yeah, totally. So when we started the business, there was no um, research into like, what's the ideal city for starting a right. tech company, right? And so um, I happen to live here in Nashville and Rich happened to live in Berkeley in California. And uh, we had a third friend of mine, JP, who he was, man, he was in, call it close to Philly mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, actually, close to Harrisburg. Even better. It was just another city. In <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we were all remote, right? We were like, hey, okay, let's build this business. And um, I just happened to Google like tech startup Nashville and found the Entrepreneur Center. I, I don't even remember the exact query, but it was something like how to like who to connect with that was mm -hmm. like you know just local business people that were doing the same shit as us and we went down to the ec at least i went down to the ec and met the you know met some people but it was never our intention to be like hey we want to consciously build a business here i just i happen to be located here and we had you know our sort of initial team elsewhere and things kind of happened from there but it could have just as easily been in berkeley or in harrisburg or we're, like we weren't thinking about right. the ideal city to yeah, start Nash a business. Yeah, Nashville wasn't like right. chosen off a map. Where, and I feel like today actually that is happening, and so it feels it, it makes me yeah. feel cool that we were on the frontier of that trend of tech companies moving to Nashville, because now like you know Oracle is they're doing f full analyses to figure out where to move, and they chose Nashville 
um, for, you know, probably much more intentional reasons than we did. So. Yeah. Why did you pick Nashville? I mean, I know there's the personal dimension, but do you have like a professional narrative that you like? Yeah. Give in I mean, it's pretty of... straightforward. I went okay. to school. I thought I was going to be an international, like a diplomat living in Northern Africa. And then I was recruited right. by Teach for America. So I taught in our low income schools here in Nashville for three years. And with TFA, you get placed in a city or a region. You don't really get to choose. So and then obviously I stayed because I had family here. Um but also did not, my choice in Nashville was not intentional. And there have definitely been growing pains as a, a Yankee trying to get used to the South. Yeah, totally. Well, I was at a happy hour this past week and I met some, I met some um, Indian Americans who were from mm. New York. And this might be blasphemous to say, but we were joking. We were like, if there's another new American restaurant opening in the city, <laughs> we're gonna lose our shit yeah there's a lot of like <laughs> control c control v going on with our our restaurant options. It, it, totally totally it's all it's all good decent food but there's no it doesn't seem like there's a lot of yeah. variety if you're, coming to Nash if you're listening to this and you're coming to nashville email us we will put you in the right direction please do not go to someplace off broadway mentioned at the top of the episode that you know when you and rich got started with gun.io and its first iteration your intention wasn't to build a business right it was to solve a problem um and so i'm curious i, I kind of want to dive in a little bit more into that like what was the problem you identified how did you first try to solve it um and then maybe like the fast story of what the past 10 years have looked like trying to solve that problem you know one maybe clarifying point. So my, so my mom lives here. And so, you know, after moving back from China, I was living with her while starting the business. And I was like, well, you know, I need to get shoulder surgery. It's easier to do living at your parents' house. I mean, this is like, I don't know how old I was, yeah. like 21, 22 at the time. So that was sort of the reason why I was in Nashville. You know, my mom's a single mom. It's good to be close to her. That's that was basically the reasoning. Okay, so to this question, which was, you know, was, okay, so Rich, now we went to BU uh, in Boston, and I thought to myself, I said, if Zuckerberg, who went to Harvard, can build a billion dollar business, surely two BU idiots can build a million dollar business. That's that's honestly what I thought. I was like, surely this yeah. can't be that difficult. It'd take us like, you know, I don't know, a couple of years. That was it, you know, but we didn't anticipate building like a full fledged organization or anything. You know, I mean, I knew we could generate revenues. We had grown up kind of, you know, building things in our own respective ways. But I had never seen like a real mm -hmm. business, you know, my Indian immigrants start like a gas station or like some sort of thing, you know. It's not, they're not like like legitimate huge Fortune 500 companies, although now a bunch of immigrants run these Fortune 500 companies. It just, that's not yeah, kind of what I like grew up around. Yeah, you didn't have like an archetype that you were trying to fit into. No, no, certainly not. But I think Rich, because he was in Berkeley and like studied computer science and stuff, unlike me, he was surrounded by like successful models of like what a hyper growth tech startup looks like and could be like. 
I think he had a clear sense, hey, we could do this. We could turn this into a real thing. Uh, but I but I think the all of us, we were just fixated on like, how do we get to revenue? And the way to get to revenue was like dis- disregard getting an office, <laughs> disregard any of the trappings of starting a business and just like go and sell customers. Do you remember that's the it. first customer? Do our <laughs> Come on. That what are, uh, No, I, I I'm sure it's in Stripe. I'm sure like I'm sure the data is in Stripe. I mean, I remember like talking to the CTO of PubNub, which is a big tech company. They may have sold to some other company by now, but I remember just cold calling all these companies on AngelList to get our customers. Um, and PubNub was one of them. And this was back in the day when I think like the world wasn't yet saturated with like outbound mm. sales reps and so much content, you know, being created. Yeah, we still get traffic from Rich's blog posts, which are like just the most ridiculous, like, or maybe one was written by you about switching to caffeine pills from coffee. Like, no, that that was him. I would never do something but like that. But it was I'd like sound right SEO now. strategy. But it's, uh, it's yeah, it's funny that like so much of this, the strategies that now we think are oversaturated and maybe overused, and we're trying to think outside the box and not use those strategies. Ten years ago, we we're on the frontier, and that created a foundation of success that we're still kind of riding on today in many respects. So how did we get the first developers on the platform? I mean, these days we've got tens of thousands of developers with accounts on gun.io. Smaller subset of those folks are personally vetted by our DevRel team, senior software devs who are you know, professional interviewers, essentially. Yeah. Right. It's, and I think, sick. you know, great. we have a different set of challenges today with this kind of model under our feet. But, you know, 10 years ago, when you're cold calling people on AngelList, what devs were you trying to get hired? Like, how did, did we have a, a database of folks? Was it kind of Rich's network that we were essentially like white glove agencying into a job? Like, what was the story there? I mean, there were certainly some of our friends who signed up who were just like devs that we kind of knew from, you know, the real world. But then a lot of devs found us through Hacker News. And that was a big, a big source of not only uh, devs, but also uh, Mm. companies. And, you know, what what you found on on HN was like, a lot of folks were starting companies, were technical and were devs and maybe needed to supplement their income or just wanted more income. And so they take on freelance projects. And so a lot of initial devs were our friends or people who just found us through HN because we posted a blog or something like that about <laughs> caffeine pills, let's say, on on, on Hacker News. Or, you know, we'd yeah. write comments. I mean, I, I remember this, this actually was like really motivating because at this point we had just like made our website and like we're connecting people and kind of getting things figured out. And I, I remember replying to a comment, I think on a, some thread and in your profile, you know, you say what you do. And so some dude was like, Hey, you know, I saw that you guys run gun.io your site helped me pay for my Jeep Wrangler. And this dude, we had never met. I don't even know. I don't even remember where he lives, but I was like, holy shit, 
this dude found a project on our site, made money, and now bought a thing that he wanted to buy. Like, that's sick. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. It's because it's like we're creating economic opportunity just through the internet for that, for these people, and therefore for us. And that was really, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. I always tell people, especially, I do a lot of our internal hiring here. And when people ask me, like, what's unique about our team and kind of how we run the business, I always talk about how uniquely motivated you are, Tasia, by creating economic opportunity for people around you. Um, and I just I think that that's really unique and also necessary for someone who's running a global talent agency. Right. Like you can't you can't approach this kind of work wanting to just get personally rich and say, like, F you to everybody else. And so I think that kind of sets you up, obviously, to do really well in this industry. So I'm curious, like the business has obviously changed a lot over the years. You mentioned this. This guy found a, a project on the site and then paid for his Jeep Wrangler and we didn't even know him. Um, and that is not how our business runs today. It's very different. And so, like there's been several iterations. So I'm curious, like if you had to kind of bucket them into epochs, how would you how would you do that? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. I've never organized like my <laughs> thoughts in that way. Season one. What did season one look like? Yeah, the tricky thing is figuring out how to like what marks the end of mm. a season and the new season. Yeah, let's work backwards. It's probably easiest. So whatever iteration we're on right now, I think about it like, I mean, Wade joined us. Wade was a dev on the platform. He was, you know, basically up my ass <laughs> trying to tell us to build years a product ago, years before we even like run broke years ago on the, on the app yeah and we and we and we had we had basically you know the initial first version of the of the business was like a job board app but what we found is like in order to actually provide and assure and make sure projects go well there was like a lot of post-hire management that we needed to do and we just couldn't evolve the product fast enough to handle the things that were important after the hire so we just were like fuck it you know if we need to provide value we're going to do that through human beings or whatever way through off-the-shelf SaaS things and we kind of let our product languish you know and so wade was like the <laughs> one of the loudest voices yeah. i should say <laughs> one of the most persuasive voices to be like, hey, we need to, you know, make this a core part of our strategy again. So whatever the current iteration of the business that we're on, I would say a lot of it started with refocusing on like being a, a true technology business first and foremost. I'd say that's probably the last couple of years. Previous to that, I think is right when we started working together, when we were sort of more of like, a managed services mm -hmm. or like staffing company, you know, I mean, okay, you did this exceptional positioning work. How would you position us today? We are a global talent agency and we're propped up by um, custom software that we've built that makes us really, really, really good at doing that. Yeah. Awesome. And so that last part we didn't have probably right. before this iteration. And then maybe the first iteration mm -hmm. so i guess there's three seasons the first season was like we were a job board right so we were a job board then we became like a staffing you know like a remote dev shop basically and now we're yeah. a global talent agency run by 
software. Tasia, I feel like we're on the cusp of a really awesome season of change here. Um, and we'll get into that into in our next episode together. But um, I'm really curious to hear if you were to like look out over the next year, maybe two years, what do you think are the biggest changes people can expect to see from gun.io or maybe not changes that are going to be tangible like publicly, but ones that like internally on the team we're going to um, experience. And I think this might even be a surprise, but um, one of the things that we're really intent on in the next year or two is to broaden the focus of the business from not just software, but to all types of knowledge work. And so that's really exciting, I think, for us is to start expanding beyond software development into marketing and sales, sort of branch out into for, uh, other forms of knowledge work. And that's motivating because, you know, as much as we love software engineering, it's fun to be involved in other parts of the sort of, I don't know, company building right. skill set. You know what I mean? Um, so that'll be cool. Should I talk about you? You can tease it. We're going to talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. Okay. So tease. So there might be an update on fundraising based on when this next thing is released. Cool. Um, Lots of exciting stuff. That's it. All right, Teja. Well, we're going to uh, come back in a couple of days with a full episode on how the last 10 years have gone for us being a bootstrap business, but also a business that defaults to profitability and what it's been like for us these last few months, deciding to take on possibly a round of funding, what that experience has been like in this economy um, and kind of the challenges we foresee over the coming months and, and years. So. You guys can find Tasia on Twitter. Um, I lead marketing here at Gun.io, and we're pretty active on the Gun.io Twitter account. You can find us there, and I am always trying to get Tasia to write some tweets uh, and (laughs) get on the platform. So if you want to talk to him, you can find him on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at The Frontier Pod, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.